0: I have written for Elmeron for suspected interstitial cystitis or painful bladder syndrome for many years because it's been around for so long. But there's new evidence that pentosin polysulfate could actually be dangerous to the patient's eyes, specifically with associated macular disease. In obstetrics and gynecology, there's an article that's ahead of print called Pentosin polysulfate associated macular disease in patients with interstitial cystitis. This hasn't yet gone to print, but we're going to review this association in this podcast now. Interstitial cystitis, also called the painful bladder syndrome, is typically diagnosed and managed by the gynecologist, urogynecologist, or urologist. Interstitial cystitis is a chronic regional pain syndrome of the bladder and the pelvis that predominantly affects females manifesting with urinary urgency and dyspareunia. More than 1 million people in the United States are estimated to be affected, and this can disrupt sleep and lead to emotional stress. There are only two FDA-approved therapies for interstitial cystitis, intravesicular DMSO or dimethyl sulfoxide and oral pentosin polysulfate sodium, otherwise known as Elmiron. PPS is a semi-synthetic analog of biologic glycosaminoglycans thought to act by binding to the bladder's epithelial lining, regulating irritation and cellular permeability. Although it had been widely prescribed for decades, no known ocular toxicity had previously been reported, but this has changed as of the last 2-3 to years. In a 2018 report, researchers described unique macular pigment changes that were observed in six patients receiving chronic therapy for IC with oral PPS. Patients primarily identified symptoms of blurry vision and prolonged dark adaptation. On dilated fundus exam, These patients exhibited subtle macular pigmentary changes, yet fundus autofluorescence and near-infrared reflectance imaging of the posterior pole indeed revealed a striking pattern of abnormalities. Despite a thorough review of medical histories and comprehensive molecular testing, no known acquired or inherited etiology accounted for these findings. So that series presented to the researchers compelling evidence of a previously unrecognized medication toxicity, and they said this requires further investigation of causality and phenotype. Well, this has now been further investigated, and the data is pretty striking. As the only FDA-approved oral agent for interstitial cystitis, Elmiron, or PPS, has been a mainstay of treatment for decades. Using claims data from a national U.S. insurer, it has been identified that practice patterns place hundreds of thousands of individuals who are taking this medication and, for those that are taking it chronically, may be at risk of these ocular changes. In a retrospective matched cohort study within a large database, PPS-exposed patients were found to have a significantly increased risk of being diagnosed with a new macular disease at seven years. Studies have also suggested that chronicity of exposure plays a role. So that's the good news, that it doesn't seem to happen with acute care. But there is a link to chronic use. At the five-year time point of continuous treatment, there was a trend for increased risk, although it wasn't statistically significant. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? As for clinical features, the largest case series to date analyzed 35 patients with a confirmed diagnosis of PPS-associated maculopathy across four institutions, where the median age at the time of diagnosis was 60 years, with a range of 37 to 79 years. The median PPS intake duration was 14 years, at a median daily dose of 300 milligrams, consistent with recommended therapeutic regimens. Patients had commonly had a referral diagnosis of macular or pattern dystrophy and or acute macular degeneration and reported symptoms most commonly being blurred vision while reading or prolonged dark adaptation. On ophthalmologic examination, these patients often had paracentral spots of hyperpigmentation accompanied by pale yellow or orange deposits. Generally, these spots initially appear in the paraphobial region and extend peripherally within the macula over time, indicating a dynamic disease process. Mainly, out of the ophthalmology literature, these findings bolster growing concern about a newly described medication toxicity and raise significant public health implications. Now again, as a point of clarification, this seems to be with chronic or prolonged use of PPS or Omron. Thousands of unscreened patients may be at risk. Importantly, many of these cases have been masqueraded for years as similar appearing conditions like AMD and pattern dystrophy. A unique pigmentary maculopathy is strongly associated with chronic exposure to the IC drug pentosin polysulfate sodium. The fundus findings in PPS-associated maculopathy are subtle, yet exhibit a distinctive clinical phenotype on multimodal imaging that's best appreciated by using advanced ophthalmological screening tools. So if you send a patient to ophthalmology for evaluation of this, it's important to make sure that the ophthalmologist is up to date and current with what to look for. According to published reports, several possible explanations exist for this condition's recent discovery relative to the FDA approval of PPS in 1996. First, chronic exposure generally seems a prerequisite for this condition. Now, this can only be seen in a subset of patients who have exceeded the exposure threshold at which this disease begins to manifest. So that's good news. Again, this doesn't seem to happen within the first month or two months of use, but is a chronic issue. Secondly, IC patients may be complex, harboring conditions that affect multiple organ systems treated with numerous medications, so this can make identifying a drug disease association difficult until now. Alright, as we wrap up the podcast, two quick questions. One, why did this happen? And two, what are some recommendations that we can follow regarding this? Well, as to causality, and underlying mechanisms for this condition has not yet fully been elucidated, but there are some theories. First, there's a suggestion, mainly out of the ophthalmology literature, that this glycosaminoglycan analog can somehow accumulate and disrupt the structure and function of important ocular matrix proteins. This nodular RPE excrescences, again this is an RPE photoreceptor interface, can indicate accumulation of PPS or one of its many metabolites in this crucial area of the eye matrix and this can cause possible disruption in eye function. Alright, that's a lot of opto-terms, and again, as disclosure, I'm not an ophthalmologist, but I've done some reading on this, and the short part of it is that the byproducts of PPS may actually accumulate in the eye and affect the macula. Alright, now that we've said that, what about the recommendations? Well, although official recommendations for evaluating at-risk patients are somewhat premature, there is a call to pay attention to this and to screen patients and have them referred for ophthalmological evaluation. Some institutions recommend, of course, discussing the lowest necessary dose and duration of treatment with long-term planned PPS therapy. It is also medical expert opinion or level C evidence to get a baseline ophthalmological evaluation on patients that you think will have long-term PPS therapy. Ophthalmologists also recommend that providers exercise caution when prescribing PPS that have other comorbid macular diseases or who are at high risk of developing macular disease processes. Patients with these elevated risks, including those with atypical dosing regimens, those with a history of smoking or macular disease, and those with comorbidities involving renal, hepatic, or splenic function, may benefit from more frequent optic examinations. Again, this is an evolving issue, and just because PPS, or Elmeron has been around for a long time, doesn't mean that a new medical toxicity isn't possible, because, as has been noted in this literature, it can be a chronic process and a chronic exposure that leads to this new optic consideration. So, be sure to look out for the new article coming out in Obstetrics and Gynecology having to do with this same topic coming out soon. Hey, we're glad that you're part of the Clinical Pearls family. Thanks for listening. We wish you all the best, and we'll see you next time on another episode of Clinical Pearls.